Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. stupid banner in the background that can only mean one thing well it can mean two things technically if we stop and think about it number one it can only mean that i am all alone in the studio must be an interview podcast right that's right and number two it is time for another pack filler podcast hi there pat bulger here your host it is my God, it's the 21st. I got to get some shopping in. Got to get that commercialism in. Christmas Day, four days away. Well, by the time I release this, Christmas Day will be two days away because we release these on Mondays. Yes, this is a previously recorded episode of the podcast because, yeah, I'm going to be out and about with my family celebrating the Christmas holiday. But that doesn't mean we can skip a week. This is our Christmas week episode. You can use this when the family starts to drive you nuts. Just download it, pop in those headphones, and disappear. I'm here for you. I understand. No, I understand. Yeah. Why did they go political at the dinner table? Don't do that. Oh, I know. No, you were in the right. I Believe me, you're okay. Perhaps you could use this maybe even while you're on the trainer. If you're in the climates such as I am and you can't get out and ride, pop your headphones on and just listen to this and it'll all be okay. Sprint out those rage moments that you've been going through. Why do holidays have to usually end up being so stressful in a certain way? Even though they're a beautiful thing, they do end up being stressful. But this podcast will get you at least, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour, depending upon how long this intro is, of of just cycling-based bliss. You guys, I hope you all get what you want for Christmas. Do me a favor. Don't drink too much. I'm going to try and stick to that rule myself. I'm trying to keep the holiday weight down so when I really start training in earnest, I won't have so much to get rid of. And my my other rule is usually to try and just have one plate full of Christmas dinner. Just, you know, you can fill it up as high as you want. You know, you can use a forklift to get it to the table. But if it's just one plate full you're not completely stuffing yourself, right? That's what I'm sticking to. And I'm also going to try and get a ride in, but not on Christmas Day. You guys don't ride on Christmas Day. That's just making you out to be one of those selfish douchebags. So get a ride in, but skip Christmas Day. Spend that time with people and and, and loved ones that you have. This episode, you guys, brought to us by our friends over at Gooder. If you haven't purchased the Happy Festivus, you filthy animals, glasses. You might be a little too late to get those bad boys in time for Christmas, but you could just stash them away for next year. 
And if you've seen them, they're brilliant. And the the lenses are mirrored. Jackson has a pair, so I think he's going to be able to wear them all Christmas Day. So when, you know, my father starts to tell the same story that he's told every single year, he can just kind of gl- pop those shades on and just kind of disappear to another world. And my dad will think he's completely paying attention. Gooder.com, G-O-O-D-R.com. This episode today was a fun one. Um, it, it actually is... is a perspective of somebody who has really done just about everything and has really taken a big chance. Peter Stetna, world tour rider up to most recently with Trek Segafredo, uh, making a gigantic jump to just gravel and endurance mountain bikes and sticking mostly to American soil. I, it's a gutsy move and I think it's a cool move and you get to hear Pete's perspective on being inside the world tour, what that entire experience is like and switching that and, and going in the direction of something he loves and something he's passionate about and really kind of gives him joy about straddling the top tube every day. So without further ado, Peter Stetna on the pack filler. Okay, today's guest is a master of all services. He's competed at the highest level on the road, recently as a member of the Trek Segafredo team. He's won national titles as well as a multitude of stages in major, major races. Recently, his skills on all services brought him a victory at the Belgian Waffle Ride and top, ten, uh, top finishes, not top 10, top finishes in Kansas and Leadville. So let's welcome to the show, Pete Stetna. How are you, man? Yeah, good. So, uh, thanks for having me on. Hey, no, my, my pleasure. And f- first of all, let me congratulate you on this recent career change decision that you focused on. Um, what, what I guess what you could say, and I, this is correct me if I'm wrong, because I've just did it, it through reading what you're calling your your privateer gravel program. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, I don't really have a a name for it yet. <laughs> kind of, I was kind of joking with guys. Like, I don't know what like the team name's gonna be. When I'm at in a race and yeah. I, I think maybe I'm just going to create a different one every time, like something totally <laughs> awkward that just it'll kind of be a thing that people can follow along with. Like, oh, today he's the fat pigs and tomorrow he's the <laughs> flying ponies and, you know, or maybe it could ever be a sponsor every time. One day will be Canyon. One day will be Cliff Bar. So, I, yeah, just rotate I through. I, I guess it is privateer, but yeah. I can't just say privateer. That's kind of exclusive and gravels inclusive yeah okay yeah yeah, exactly gravel (laughs) if you went with pgp or something like that that would almost sound like you're talking about some sort of a you know secret code for something else you know it's my little pgp i don't know what that would yeah that could have different connotations altogether yeah so so your decision behind this switch was was a big one um and I guess what, you know, some are calling this alternative racing, and I, I use that in quotations, but what was behind that decision to make this this big jump from the from the world tour to to focusing on gravel and things like that? Uh, yeah, you know, well, first of all, I, I agree. It's alternative racing or I, I, gravel almost isn't just gravel racing. I think gravel is more of a, a broader term where it's just, it is adventure racing. It's the marathon format. It's, it's the new style right now because Belgian waffle ride is definitely still more of a road race. You know, they call it a spring classic and Leadville is a mountain bike race, although it's pretty much a gravel race, you know? So it's, yeah, yeah, I I think gravel is a very broad term that describes a, almost a lifestyle right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, sorry. Your the rest of your question was about uh, what, you know, was what what making that decision. decision. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a big jump, man. Um, I don't. You know, it's it is. It's a lifestyle change, but you know, it was it was the pursuit of a dream and and a desire to you know be my own boss and to have something more fulfilling in my career and and more enjoyable. You know, I've. I love road racing and I I love the world tour, but you know, I've done it for a decade and and I know it and I've done all the biggest races. I've done eight grand tours, all the different grand tours. And, and then I hopped in these races this year and there was just this 
it, it reinvigorated me. And, you know, I, I, I told my wife, you know, I had more butterflies in my stomach at the start of Dirty Kansas than I did at the Vuelta España, you know, and that was saying something. And it's yeah. just, um, I, I just appreciated the scene so much more at these races. I, I just had more fun racing my bike. And, you know, I honestly, I haven't done that much gravel racing, so I can't tell you if I'll actually like the racing more. I can tell you right now, I'm going to love the life and the lifestyle more. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, world tour stage racing is pretty badass too. So, I mean, yeah. it was, but, but the timing was right. The, the way the market has shifted, the way that U S cycling as a whole is moving. I think it was, a. Uh, looking back, I, you know, I'm, pretty lucky that i think it just the, the timing couldn't have been better and the outpouring from my decision has been so positive it's really, really validated this so i'm i'm all in that was one of my questions in terms of that feedback and in terms of that reaction of something i'm sure there are the the you know the purists and the you know i'd hate to use the term elitist because my background's in road but i do all the disciplines but i'm sure i was worried if you were going to be getting flack from that from the elitist nature who or people who are you know want to keep things i guess separate <laughs> but then there's um, all go ahead yeah you know it was it was really surprising. There was, I would say it was probably 98% positive. Like there weren't very many Twitter trolls compared to any normal thing that goes on out there. So it was, you know, it really, the messaging was right. And that was something that I really had to, to work hard at to make sure when I made this announcement that, you know, the, the reasons I was doing this were I, I was able to get my say in before, you know, everyone really could try to shoot holes in, in it, you know, and there was, I think there was maybe two or three people that total that were like, Oh, why didn't he sign with EF or he's over yeah. the hill? And it was like, well, no, actually I had one of the best seasons of my career. I'm 32. I'm not over the hill. And, you know, haven't you ever dreamed of being your own boss? And <laughs> pretty yeah. much right there, like guys were just like, Oh yeah. Okay. And like, <laughs> it just stopped. So there was really very little, uh, grumpy blowback it was in, in this day and age when it's hip to be offended on social media that was that was nice that was surprising yeah, yeah. um so yeah. What, tell me about a little about uh, about your history with with the disciplines obviously we know about you know what your accomplishments are on the road but how about your history with with gravel and, and with mountain biking was it was it something that was always since the day you learned to straddle the top tube or is it something that you've come into recently um so I started on the mountain bike as a kid growing up in Colorado. Yeah. So, you know, that's where I first earned my turns. Um, and um, just growing up in Colorado in the mountains, we have a lot of dirt roads. So I had always ridden my road bike on dirt roads just for training. You know, you climb high enough and it's all dirt. Um, so I've always been more or less proficient at it and, and enjoyed it. Um, and I still even hot would hop on a mountain bike mid season and hop in a local race if it fit the training and I wasn't on tour or whatever. So, um, I know how to hand, I would say I'm definitely not a mountain biker. I yeah. have better bike handling skills than most roadies. Um, which is kind of, it seems like it's fit and gravel. Okay. At the moment <laughs> was cycling always the focus in life for you coming from, uh, you know, to understatement of the year to say you came from a powerhouse genetic pool is, is the biggest one there was cycling always a part of the family and did, did they ever try to dissuade you or was a career in cycling always the objective? Um, no, it was totally my choice and happenstance. I fell into it. Um, really, you know, he might was a pro and, but growing up around, our family, you, you wouldn't have known it. I mean, he rode his bike on weekends with friends and, uh, he watched the tour de France in the summer, but that was it. I mean, it was, he really didn't rest on his laurels. He, he fully transitioned in his retirement. Um, and my uncle stayed in the sport. Uh, he still works with Shimano. Um, but, uh, I was just doing whatever. And I, I played all the sports and, and I was playing soccer. Um, and a buddy of mine was really into mountain biking, a teammate. So we were bringing our mountain bikes in on the back of our parents' cars to the tournaments all over Colorado. And then we would go mountain biking 
you know, the day after the game or whatever, um, with our dads and, um, he joined the YCA team that was doing the 24 hours of Moab. And I thought that was cool. So I hopped on with him. And then once I felt, once I found the sport, of course I had this family background and, and, you know, uncle Wayne was able to help with parts and all that, but, uh, definitely found it on my own. So what excites you about gravel and, and this mountain bike? And when I talk about mountain bike, I, I am a, I, I'm not doing this to brag, but I am a finisher of Leadville. There's no way I will ever do it as fast as you have done or will do. But Badass, man. I agree with I agree with you in the terms of that is a different style of a mountain bike race. It's not that that you know hardcore what I almost call like a really fast trials course that you see on the World Cup. But what ex, what excites you about what is happening with gravel and with this style of racing, this endurance style of racing? Um. You know, well, that's what I love about mountain biking. And I come from the mountain biking, like the, the Norba National days. You remember yeah. those? And those oh, God, were yeah. Old school cross-country racing was a big mountain circuit and, you know, a two- to four-hour race. And it was out there in, in the wilderness. And nowadays, I mean, cross-country mountain biking is glorified short track. And yeah. I never liked short track. It's just <laughs> a, it's for the spectator. So, you know, if... If I were to race mountain bike, I would totally race marathon, which is what Leadville is, although Leadville is just less technical and on the long side. It's a, a niche side of mountain biking. But, um, you know, what's driving me to this is just the the community. You know, you it's just it's the pro race up front and it's legit. It's full on and it is hard. I mean, I can share power values from Belgian waffle ride and it's I mean, it, it stacks up, but, you know, at the same time, there's just this, this community around it and everyone holding each other up instead of trying to backstab each other, which is what I'm dealt with in the world tour. You know, no one's, there's an honor code with the racing. You're not trying to skip turns and, and afterwards, you know, you all have a beer together, whether you're celebrating or commiserating and, you know, that shared experience is something that's really refreshing that I'm enjoying. I I remember very specifically a time you talked about the Nationals, and I was up at uh, a race near where I live here in Spokane, up at Schweitzer, and, and I was able to actually sit down with the other announcer at the event and actually have a beer with Roland Green, who was the current world champion at the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking about that and thinking, there is no way I could sit across a table from a pro roadie at the European, you know, at the world tour level and have this type of experience. It's such a different accessibility and it almost feels like gravels in that magic moment that mountain biking was in those, in those earlier years. Um, do you, and a lot of people are scared of that. A lot of people are worried about, uh Oh, all these top guys are coming into the sport. It's going to change. It's going to, you know, it's going to ruin our great little niche thing we've got going there. Do, do you have any thoughts on any of that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, let I'll be the scapegoat. Just tell everyone Pete ruined gravel. Pete, it's, it's Pete's fault. fault. Okay, okay, no, that's Pete, good. Pete ruined gravel. That's that's gonna be a hashtag now. <laughs> Pete ruined gravel. Um, maybe I'll put it on my jersey. <laughs> um, There's your team. No, you know I think uh, I I think anyone who's coming to this gravel scene right now, I mean they're not coming for the money. It's not. I mean, it's competitive, but anyone who races a bike is competitive. But there's, like I said, there's something more to the event. I mean, the EF guys and I were at Kansas, like we were racing, but we weren't the instigators, you know, like we were rolling through and we thought we would stop and have a sandwich at the aid station. And all of a sudden guys were like attacking, like it was a pit zone in a triathlon and stuff. They were hitting us. So it was kind of like, Oh, now it's on. Like these are races. Um, and you know, I don't think it's, it's us other pros from other scenes that are coming in to, to ruin it. We just, we are in love with the, as I said, the, the feeling and the, the vibe around the event. Um, yeah, man, I plan on racing and I plan on trying to win cause I'm competitive as hell. And that's how I enjoy bike racing. But at the same time, like I, I'm going to have fun doing it and, and I'm making this move not for 
fame and money. I mean, if I wanted that, I would have stayed racing in the world tour. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I think it speak the actions speak for themselves. And you know, I, if I had a crystal ball and told you how gravel would move, I, I mean, yeah, I'd be doing pretty well for myself. But you know, that that's the big <laughs> question. But I think you know, there's there's guys who really have their heads in the right place and that are stewards of the sport even before I came that um, are kind of making sure it keeps this, this vibe. I don't think anyone wants it to become road racing off road. Yeah. And, and growth is unfortunately or fortunately a part of the sport, no matter how you look at it, it's going to grow. It's a, it's a great thing. It's inciting for people. You've got companies like lifetime sports who are kind of scooping up all these events, which some people might see as, as a negative aspect to the sport, but in all actuality, Lifetime does an incredible job at putting events together, so it's going to bring more authenticity and a better better feel to what's going on. Um, how about your ex- expectations going into this venture essentially solo? I assume you have no necessarily quote-unquote teammates, but what do you expect to bring out of this, and you know, what's your calendar looking like? Um, you know, I'm I'm racing competitively, as I said. I mean, I want to yeah. win in podium at events. Um, but, you know, that's I'm not going to lose sight of the things that are more important just for a result, you know, and that's, that's you know, objective number one. Um, and, uh, and beyond that, I mean, I'm going to do all the big gravel races in the U.S., um, I'm going to start out at land run 100 nationally. I'll do a bunch of local events for visibility, such as, uh, fish rock, trucky, uh, gravel Fondo, um, the grasshopper series. Uh, but then yeah, nationally it'll be land run, um, Belgian waffle ride, dirty Kanza, um, grinderos, wow. um, all, uh, yeah, a lot of them. Um, I don't have the list in front of me right now. It's a bit, I'll be racing more or less every weekend. Um, I'll be up in your neck of the woods for a little bit. Um, I think there will be an announcement with one of those cool races coming out in the next week. Oh. And then uh, um, I'll even be over in Europe for uh, Grinduro UK and Iceland Rift. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Oh, wow. Was there ever an attempt to exist in both worlds to try to stay uh, on, you know, I, I keep thinking of guys like Lachlan Morton who, who are, yeah, yeah. yeah, and doing both of those. Yeah, no, there, there was. And initially that's what I wanted. Um, you know, it was, I, I kind of dipped my toe in the water this year with Trek Segafredo and they were really supportive of it. Um, however, they weren't keen on, on, you know, upping the ante with me in, in that regard. You know, they are, uh, still a very much a European, um, Italian run team and they, you know, are focused on the world tour. Um, and that's fine. And, um, so I started talking to my agent and, you know, we were looking at other teams and my, my sticking point was, you know, yeah, I love racing the world tour. I want to keep doing it, but you know, you got to let me do some of these alternative events on the side. A, it makes sense for your sponsors and B, I have a ton of fun with it. And <laughs> unfortunately I thought it was a no brainer and my agent did too, but, um, you know, the, the Euro road race mindset is so traditional still um and it, because in europe it's fine like road racing isn't struggling like it is in the u.s you know the tour de france and the the world tour stage races are super healthy as always um so the, a lot of these managers almost saw it as like oh if you're if you're playing bikes off road and if you're not fully invest world tour racing is hard enough you have to eat breathe and sleep you know Euro road racing. And if you're not, then that means you're not committed. You know, you're, you're not serious. Um, you know, so, I mean, one, one team manager even called me, uh, you know, a gravel riding beer drinking guy who occasionally rides his road bike. Wow. And I was like, I, I mean, wow. Are you kidding me, man? Like I just, I, you know, I just had a great Vuelta España. Like, I mean, I was in the breakaways. I was hitting PRs of my life in terms of power numbers. And, you know, they just, it, just because they saw me riding off road and, and having a beer at the finish of Dirty Kanza. And it was just, it was, it's just a different mindset, yeah. you know? And, um, so honestly we couldn't find a team that wanted to do both. And, 
um, EF, they do do that, and it would have been a great fit. However, um, it just didn't make sense. I mean, why would they sign me when I would just be another one of the same? I mean, they already are doing this now with success with Lockie and Alex, um, you know, and Taylor a little bit. So it was just like, you know, I wasn't actually bringing something new and unique to, to the EF program. You know, I think they're happy with what they got. Um, and I just kind of had this, this moment where it was like, okay, you know, I can double down and just focus on a road contract and try to do another tour de France or, you know, I think the timing's right. And, and these races are booming and you can see the hype around it and I can kind of make a go of this. So I, you know, I kind of subtly emailed a few close sponsors, um, and immediately they're like, hell yeah, if you're in, we're in. And, and it just kind of kicked it all off. (laughs) So I, I, I don't want to bring up personal elements here, but the financial element, this is a, a jump from going to, you know, this gigantic machine to self-sustaining almost. Yeah, you mentioned that you have some sponsors who are who are really awesome to help you out in this. Is it going to be something, I mean, I don't want to ask if you took a huge pay cut, but, you know, is this something that that is equal? Yeah, I took a pay cut. Yeah. Look, it's, yeah, I mean, I um, it's not a world tour contract, and... Racing in the world tour, I mean, the racing is so hard and the lifestyle of being abroad and watching every gram of fat you eat, it's yeah. so extreme, but, um, but it's, it's easy financially. I mean, it's, you just, you have your team, they give you one salary, you have their sponsors, you have to talk about their sponsors. They tell you when and how to tweet sometimes. And it's just, really, it's, you know, you're just, it's all you do is focus on going fast and, now it's, I mean, the hustle is going to be a lot harder. It's going to, you know, it's, um, a bunch of personal sponsors and I set my own calendar. I do my own logistics. I do all my own travel and all of that. However, it's a lot more validating. I mean, I'm my own boss, you know, and then yeah. I think that a lot of people can probably relate to that dream. And it's, uh, even though it's more work, it's a lot more gratifying because, every sponsor that is aligned with me is part of my story and I have a direct relationship with them and I'm either doing uh, marketing for them because our images are similar or I'm doing product R&D for them and I'm you know correlating directly with the factory on you know tires or gearing size or whatever and it's you know so it's it's gonna be more work but it's actually a lot more fun work and you feel like you're actually making a difference instead of just the, I pedal a bike fast. Yeah. And, and I, I'm thinking of somebody from my perspective. But, who, oh, sorry to, to just to finish. Um, no do, but I'm, I'm lucky enough that, you know, at this moment I'll be able to pay my mortgage next year. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to have to get a side job at a cafe to race my bike. Like I will <laughs> be able to treat racing gravel like I treated racing in the world tour with that being my focus, even though there's a lot more to the, the picture. Okay. Tell me about pre- uh, preparation for something like this. Is, uh, obviously each discipline is re- going to require a, sp- a very specific path in which to do it from coming from a, a rider who's focused on the world tour season to changing gears like this. How do you change your preparation methods? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, 
Well, I mean, everyone's asking this, and, and I feel like we should talk at the end of the year. I mean, I don't. Really? It's, I'm gonna have to change a lot. I'm gonna have to change my my body, my training. I mean, it's no more stage racing. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's like the lead boat and stuff, and you know, um, there's rumors of a a gravel stage race that'll be fun. Wow. Um, but uh, you know, it's um, yeah, it's, it's all one day racing, and it's gonna be a lot more long endurance. You know, racing for six to 10 hours, um, a lot less of the five hour back to back to back days, like a stage race. So, um, you know, I'm going to focus more on that and maybe put on some upper body mass to handle a higher torque and, you know, kind of sprint over Hills. I, you know, I don't know. I'm definitely got to sit down with my coach and really kind of go over it. Um, and then the, the preparation for the race is going to be, uh, you know, there's a lot more equipment stuff that go on. Like it's, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the fun thing about gravel is every race you need a different setup. I mean, it's different tires, different pressures, different gear sizing. Uh, are you going to do a modified road bike, a modified gravel bike, a mountain bike? Like what, you know, it, there's so many options and every single race is different. Um, and I think as the, the, the market is, the industry is liking this because, there's a hypersensitivity to what's the best thing to run. Oh, yeah. So these people can finish this race they've signed up for and trained for all year. Um, so, you know, I, I have a nice place where, you know, there's going to be some eyes on me and, and I can, you know, share my thoughts on the process and, and promote my partners in, in the best light. And, you know, these are the tools that I think are the best thing to, to get the job done. I couldn't agree more. You you started talking about all the difference in equipment. I mean, I remember growing up thinking about road, and then I talked to cyclocross riders who were talking about pressures and things like that. And that is nothing compared to the obsession that I see gravel people talking about in terms of wheel size, tire size, pressures. You know, heaven forbid the ever uh, sensitive subject of aero bars or not. I mean, those types of things that just become insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's get one thing clear. In the gravel world, I found this out at Kansas. <laughs> They're called comfort bars. <laughs> Aero bars aren't a thing, all right? It's called comfort bars because when you're riding your bike for 10 or more damn hours, <laughs> your wrists are going to get sore, and it's really nice to change that body position up. Oh, okay. So, I haven't heard the comfort yes, bars comment. I yeah. am a proponent of comfort bars. <laughs> As long as you're not an idiot and there's a little bit of self-policing so you don't ride them in the middle of the group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That I I have learned something from uh, very serious from this. I'm going to start calling them specifically that because I haven't had the guts to do it yet, but I haven't done any, I haven't done a Kansas yet. So this is, uh, this is where I'm going. But, uh, so t tell me about these, these sponsors. Tell me about these, these beacons who have, have brought this, this change in the sport and, and what is the method, I guess, you know, you talked about some of the things you're dealing with in providing them the return beyond just exposure. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'll be on Canyon bikes. Um, they were one of the early guys to, to jump on this idea with me. I mean, they were after I realized that the, the Trek road gravel combo wasn't going to be a possibility, they were the first company I contacted and I, they had a good reputation. I had met them at the Belgian waffle ride, uh, this year and we just, uh, we saw eye to eye and they are, they're a disruptive company. You know, they're, <laughs> they're always changing the way they're doing things in their geometry and their, their marketing. So it, it fit really well. Um, and to be a multidiscipline rider, I mean, you know, Canyon has a great range of road, mountain, and and gravel bikes, and um, you know, I'm going to be racing on all different surfaces, like you said. So you know, that's nice to have uh, one company that does it all well. Um, Cliff Bar is a big one. Um, I go way back with uh, Gary Erickson, the founder of Cliff Bar, and he was actually. Uh, an inspiration in, in making this move, you know, his whole story of walking away from the, the tried and true way and, and hopping into the unknown to start this little energy bar company. And, um, and this is what's come out. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, we'll have, um, <laughs> those are the, IRC those are the main, tires. uh, IRC tires. Um, 
uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. They're they're Japanese. I'll get to go to Japan and even do some some Dude. racing over there. I think um, it's going to be a, a big part of the the product development, the R and D there. I mean, they they are able to turn out small batches and refine, you know, tread pattern and all that uh, casing compounds. Um, um, so that's going to be a really uh, uh, fun and gratifying partnership. Um, and, uh, Shimano is a big one. Um, you know, they're the best and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to be tipped tail on Shimano, which wow. is going to be nice. Um, you know, it's, it's nice for them, I think for the advertising and to show the entire Shimano family. but you know, it's going to be group sets, wheels, bars, stems, saddlebags, all the pro parts, um, and also Shimano shoes, Shimano sunglasses, and laser helmets. Um, so, and it's nice uh, that they one company can provide everything. Um, you know, I, I found out pretty quickly that, um, you know, you, you don't want your race jersey looking like a, a 10K running t-shirt with a bunch of little sponsors all over the place. And you know, I'm, I'm kind of keeping it, you know, around eight or nine maximum um, so I can really work directly with them and not be spread too thin and dilute myself. Um, so, uh, that's nice that kind of one company that's big stepped up and was able to cover so many bases for me. Um, and, uh, sportful clothing is a big one. I mean, these guys are, uh, old contact, you know, I, I knew them when back when I was a Neo pro, um, visited their headquarters in, in Italy a few times. Um, they're family run, amazing, super fun guys. Um, and, uh, really, really high on cycling gear and they're really starting to enter the U S and they have a gravel line coming out. So that'll be fun. Cause I can train in all their inline stuff that you could go out and buy at the store and, uh, and, you know, showcase that and test all their new threads for them, but also, um, and, for, you know, appear in a catalog if they request it. But at the same time, you know, it's race day boom, here's the custom clothing. This is what they, you can do if, if you, you know, did their custom line and, and wanted to have your team ride their stuff. And, um, so that'll be a fun activation. Um, and there's a, there's a few other guys, uh, that are still, uh, coming out yet to be announced. And I'm actually working with a couple non-endemic guys, which will be exciting. Right on. So I, this is kind of a, a big topic jump here, but earlier on you met, you mentioned something that we talk about quite a bit here on this show, and that's what is happening to uh, the road scene, both nationally and locally here in the States, and what's, what can be done to fix it. What are your thoughts on, on what might be going on and if there is any type of a solution. I, I, I know, you know, we could all talk about the fact that gravel could be the savior. They could get more kids on bikes, mountain biking. I see a lot of kids on bikes going into it and maybe bring people to the road. But do you, do you have any, any theories on, on what's happening with, with road cycling in the States? Um, you know, I, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. you know, you've seen this kind of steady decline for a little while, you know, and it's, I mean, part of it is just the natural, bubble bursting from the Lance era. And, you know, it was, we had superstars in cycling and, you know, doping or not, that was, you know, he was a household name. And of course it put our sport into a bigger spotlight. And, you know, there's pretty much my whole generation were kids that grew up watching Lance. So, you know, there, and now there hasn't been, been the big American superstar for a little while. So, um, the sport is definitely shrinking as a cause of that. You know, I think we need another big American star, hopefully. Um, and I'm sure cycling is as popular as ever in Slovakia right now because of Sagan. So yeah. it's, you know, it, yeah, I think that's one part of it. Um, in the U S too, it's, I think part of the reason gravel is so enticing is, you know, cities, Traffic's only getting worse, and yeah. cities are putting up more and more infrastructure to slow traffic down, more speed bumps, more roundabouts, more stoplights, and it's just it's going against you know p uh, people trying to ride their bikes on roads, and you know I see that also in world tour racing. Like now, there's just so much barriers and and yeah, roundabouts and and all of that in in cities. It changes the way the races are are run. Um, 
And I think people are enjoying kind of just getting away from traffic and getting out there and, and getting into the unknown and, and kind of going on an adventure. And I think that's kind of why gravel is so, you know, that's kind of the origins of bike riding. Yeah. Really. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the statistics are, would be like, but I would like to probably find out what, you know, yes, road racing is on the decline, but how are we seeing truly decline? Because I, I can only imagine cyclocross is doing incredibly well watching that. Um, gravel's growing like crazy, and mountain biking seems to have some sort of a renaissance. So maybe we haven't necessarily lost riders in the States. We've just lost road riders in the States. Yeah, I mean... I don't know the actual metrics. I mean, I don't even think we've lost road riders per se. Like, I mean, if you look at the development team and, you know, the, uh, the Americans in the world tour, it's yeah. pretty much same. as It's been for a little while. Um, we've definitely lost American teams because American races haven't been able to find sponsorship. Um, so yeah, I mean, now you're starting to see those guys who are more at the domestic level, I think, try their hand at some mountain bike racing or some some gravel racing because there are no road races at the domestic level um and you know that's that's the problem is you know it's it's a shock that tour california ended this year but it's gonna be you know over the next few years now that these races are shutting their doors you know then you're gonna start seeing the the grassroots level die out so you know i hope usa cycling and and you know the the road teams around that have a a vision. You know, every anyone who's turning pro right now has been coming up in generally healthy American road cycling. Yeah. So now that that's stopping, you're going to see this issue become a problem in a few seasons from now. Oh, okay. that makes sense. No, it does, and I just sigh because it makes me sad. But you know, I'm wondering if we're just going to have to. And and a lot of times, I wonder if it is an element of legality of putting a race together the costs of putting on a tour of california versus the costs of having government supported events in europe and and just a larger machine making those things happen um i know you know i don't expect you to have the answer cost and america is you know we're we're the land of the lawsuit you know it's there's so much bureaucracy (laughs) and red tape and and legal fees and highway fees and it's you know, I, I have a, I have my own Grand Fondo. Um, it's called the Pay Dirt, Stetna's Pay Dirt, um, and it was a road Fondo up in Tahoe where I live part time. And uh, we're actually becoming a gravel Fondo because really? I mean it's in line with my passion and my career, and this is ultimately an extension of my career. Um, but uh, you know, I can tell you from the logistical so- side of things, like the the CHP costs, the highway closures and the permitting was, it was unbearable on the road and, and on gravel is, it's so much easier. So, I mean, you're just working with BLM half the time. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. So, um, yeah. yeah. Any of your listeners want to come out to Carson city, Nevada, Tahoe area in September, Stetna's pay dirt. Okay. The, the, now, okay. The, I was going to ask you, first of all, ways in which to follow and contact. So you, we might as well do that plug right away. All right. Let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, ways to follow me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I'm on the Instagram at uh, P Stetna, my last name, S T E T I N A, P Stetna. And Twitter is every my full name, Peter Stetna. Um, and my grand fondo is Stetna's pay dirt, um, Stetna's We're going to go out into the, the wild west and hit pay dirt together. I mean, I've been exploring this, these mountain ranges and like this, there's these pine nut mountains in, uh, outside of Carson city. And I tell you, they are untouched. They are like, there's no trail map. There's just wild Mustangs and shotgun shells and some beat <laughs> trucks. Like it is wild. And, and I get, I kept striking out, you know, I kept like hitting a sand bog that I couldn't get through or, you know, just got too rough or it wouldn't loop back. And eventually like between myself, Levi Lifeheimer helped a bunch of the bike monkey organizer guys. They run the event with me. They helped and they went scouting. And after like 10 times, we finally got this minty core styled and it is 
it's experiential and we have a fun Western theme with it and everything's curated. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's an extension of my career and the partners and, and the feeling that, that I want cycling to be. So, um, yeah, that's September 19th this year. September 19th. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to ask my wife for permission cause that's right near her birthday, but I, 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 I'm tempted. I am tempted because I'm getting into this. Even if she doesn't ride a bike. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's finish this out with some fun, fun questions. Okay. Your Instagram bio mentions IPAs. Um, are there any favorites or recommendations? Well, I have, I have my own beer. You what? I have to come on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I know it's, it's better than the Wheaties box. I got my face (laughs) on. Um, so one of the sponsors for uh, the pay dirt is Revision Brewing Company, which is actually a pretty famous brewer out of uh, Reno, Nevada. The, the guy, the brewer there, Jeremy Warren, loves uh, loves mountain biking, and we connected, and I was putting on an event in the area, and he was like, you know what? Like, instead of just giving you a beer sponsor for the event, like, let's make a beer. So we actually <laughs> sat down and talked about flavor profiles and – uh, version one was uh, Prospect and Pete's Pale Ale, um, and then we uh, we had a label for it and everything, and it was uh, regional wide uh, distribution, and um, and then uh, you know with the whole haze craze, and and he's really famous in the the hazy New England IPA style okay. right now, so we decided to haze it up, and now it's called a Pete's Secret Stash, and the label art is kind of <laughs> my mustache swirling into like smoke and stardust and psychedelic curls and um and yeah it pete's secret stash it's it's hazed up um it's fun and it's it's available uh for about two months every september october and it was available uh nationwide and and even like in japan and stuff i saw people getting it through their distributors so but it's only a once a year release at the moment. Oh, okay. Okay. My second, uh, my second kind of fluff question to end this all out is, dude, you've written all around the world. You cannot pick your own hometown. You cannot pick your own regional place, but if you had to pick one of your most beautiful favorite places to ride, where would it be? Um, man, that is a tough one. Um, I mean, I can't pick my own because, no. I mean, I, I live in Tahoe for that reason. I mean, I'm, well, I'm part-time. I'm technically in Santa Rosa, but Tahoe is heaven on earth for me, and that is my happy place. That's where I go to do my training camps um, and to find my good mojo there. Um, it's got to be limited, know, riding, limited though, um, there. That's got to be limited, though, because of the seasons. I mean, you're oh, winter there. Yeah, you're you're hammered. I mean, yeah, you're you're not up there in the winter, yeah. but I do all my altitude training up there Dude. from pre-Tora California through the end of the season. And, I mean, there's so many different climbs around the lake. I can always mix and match and do everything different. Um, it's great. No, Tahoe is awesome for riding. And the mountain biking, the gravel roads, oh, the yeah. road climbing, always a picturesque, you know, Instagram-worthy vista. It's, it's amazing. Um <laughs> Worldwide, too, um, the Dolomites in Italy are probably the coolest mountain range I've ever seen. Those are craggy and spectacular and fear-inspiring. Um, the Dolomites are pretty rad. Um, you should definitely go there. All right. Okay, man. Yeah. Well, first of all, I applaud you on this jump. I think it takes guts. Um, you know, it, it takes balls to be able to do something like this. And, and I also agree with you. I've I've been a roadie since, as I said before, I turned the recorder on, and I'm going to admit it. I've been a, I used to watch your dad and your uncle race in my <laughs> own hometown, and when I was when I was a kid, and they were the guys I looked up to. I remember watching those guys race, and um, uh, to to you know to see this all happening for you is is a really cool thing. It takes a lot of, as I said, it takes balls to kind of try this. I am in love with with the gravel scene. I think it's fun. And, um, I think it's going to be fun to watch you and where you take all this. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. That's, um, I hope it works out. And if you're at one of these gravel events that I'm at, we'll get a beer and not hide behind, uh, team buses together. So it'll be good. 
that is what makes all the difference. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the call. So there you are. Follow Peter Stetna at his Instagram online and all those types of things. It's going to be a cool journey, and it's going to be fun watching this guy out there. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm challenged to try and sign up for some of these events just to just to go there and experience that culture. And I know that there's a lot of diehard roadies in this audience for this podcast, and you could probably agree that that a certain part of, of that relaxed nature is something that probably road needs to go back to and a comp, you know and, and feel a little bit again. I don't know if I'm rambling or if it's just I got excited after hearing his enthusiasm and his excitement for what he's going to go out and be doing. I wish him all the best and it was a great time to have a conversation with him. Hey everybody. Merry Christmas. We're going to have a show before New Year's Eve. We're going to definitely do that. We've got to go out and ride on New Year's Day. If you don't ride on New Year's Day, you should start that. Even if it's the worst weather in the world, put on the studded snow tires and get an hour on New Year's Day. It's just kind of like setting that good omen for 2020. Let's hope for the best. And I think on that New Year's, well, probably on the 30th, we'll be doing that show. And we'll probably talk about all the goals and everything that we all think we're going to be able to do in 2020. And then fall short, because that's what you do with New Year's resolutions, right? Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Good God, we're on everything. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast. We also are on uh, Spotify and Stitcher, if you want to find us through that. Until next week, have a good one. Once again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.